Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Smartphone or your tablet or whatever else you got it all on, uh, turn with me to that there. Uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit has spoken to us about 2019. That's this year, of course, obviously. Happy New Year, by the way. Kong Si Fa Choi. It's not Chinese New Year, but it's still Happy New Year in Mandarin, or pretty close to it. And Felice something or other in, in Brazil, Felice Nuevo, I think, in that. And I'm not even going to try the Korean one because it's just way too hard. Uh, Isaiah 54, verse 1 through to 5. Uh, um, get the, the podcast of this morning. It'll be up on the website by Tuesday afternoon for sure. Uh, get that, or you can still get CDs, by the way. Of that, I'd encourage you to do that. And uh, let the word that was preached this morning. See, I think every preacher, uh, any preacher worth their salt anyway, doesn't deliver speeches. I think every preacher hears something from God that they're meant to bring to your life to feed you. And uh, that's what I think this is about. And I really have been uh, delving into this passage for several months now. Uh, I wasn't looking for a slogan or a theme for 2019, but just towards the end of last year as I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, what do you want to say to us? Because I know this much, God doesn't have to do what I want, but if I hear what He's about and I get along with that, then I know that I'll be along with something profound and something miraculous and something tremendous that he's doing. And he spoke to me that 2019 uh, would be a year for enlarge and for stretch and for strengthen. And it comes out of Isaiah 54, verse 1. What I didn't know was that a church we've had a lot to do with over the last 25 years, Edge Church in Adelaide, and I guess I speak with the founding pastor of that pretty regularly, and uh, I was telling him this back about last October or so. And he, and he said, you won't believe this. He said, but that's exactly what Pastor Jonathan Fontana Rosa, the lead pastor at Edge, uh, feels God has spoken to them as well. And so it uh, turns out that they have already on to this uh, and, and announcing this and declaring it in their church recently. But we're just starting on it today. So I want to share this with you. Isaiah 54 verse 1 says, Sing, O barren, you who haven't born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not laboured with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. And then he says to this lady, enlarge the place of your tent. Now, before she's got a child, before there's any reason for her to do this, He speaks to her and says, I want you to do this now. Tonight I'm going to speak with you about the shifts that you and I need to make. And then at the end, I'm going to ask you to begin at least the process of you listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to speak to you about your life and what are the shifts you need to make for 2019. I've had the benefit of thinking about this for quite a while. And so I'm going to tell you some of the ones that I've identified for me, but that's not because they're yours. I just want to give you an insight into the kind of stuff that I'm hearing and that I trust you will 
hear from God. Because see, I believe that tonight the Holy Spirit wants to take you out of your 2018 life and into your 2019 life. And uh, I said this morning that the word enlarge literally just simply means draw a bigger circle around your life than what you have now. It's not hard to do. It's not your job to make a bigger life. Again, I said that this morning. This lady's job was to enlarge the place of her habitation, but it wasn't her job to fill it. She couldn't do that. I prayed with a young couple just last week while I was away that need a miracle from God and and they're struggling with the whole idea of how could God do that? And maybe some of you are as well. Maybe you'd like to believe. Maybe you wish you had an answer. Maybe you say, well, I don't know how it can happen. That, that's okay. Mary said the same thing to the angel. How can these things be since I, I've never known a man? You know, Zechariah said that when the angel said, you're going to have a son. He said, but don't you realise how old we are? Abram said the same thing. Listen, never be bothered or, or think that God will close you out because you're not certain. Never think that God doesn't want you in His world because you don't know enough or because you're not solid enough, or because you're not a good enough Christian. There is no such thing as a good enough Christian, apart from them that have been washed in the blood of Christ and that have received Jesus as their Saviour, because He makes me good enough. He makes me worthy. There is no worthiness outside of that. There is none. We like to think there is. We like to act like somehow or other we're getting there. But the truth is we've already gotten there by the bloodshed on Calvary. We cannot get there any other way at all. And this, this woman is challenged to enlarge the place of your tent. Let me read on. Verse 2, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Don't spare. In other words, don't think small. Don't just do a little. Don't do what's not obvious. Don't do something that, you know, is, is barely, because he says, I want you to stretch. And the word stretch means this, I reach beyond what I can easily grasp. See, right now, if I'm here, I could say, well, there I can grasp this lectern. But if I stand back a bit further, I've actually got to stretch in order to get it. And that involves me reaching beyond my current position. And he's saying, don't do a small thing. Don't spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Why? Because I'm going to do something so large that you're going to need strength for it to take place. We don't like this. I don't like it. I want God to do miracle after miracle all the time. I want him to never require anything of me. I want it all to be automatic. And yet so far I've discovered almost none of it is. That bothers me. But he says, you'll expand to the right and to the left, your descendants. She hasn't got a child. And verse four says she hasn't even got a husband. And God begins to prophesy to her about what she hasn't got any of and says you're going to have lots of. I don't know what you've got none of in your life. Maybe you've got no confidence in your life. And God would prophesy you to you tonight and say, I'm going to give you lots of that which you've got none of. 
And so I want you to think tonight within the space of this and within the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit in this room, in this service tonight. And would you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about things that are outside of your ability, outside of what you could imagine, outside of your experience and your past and step out of that. I better keep going because I haven't even got to my notes yet, but I'm just reading the Scripture. Uh, your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Now, think about this a minute. She's in a desolate place herself. She goes home to an empty house. That's desolate. And he says, I'm going to reverse it. This is what happened last December with Transform. The people that had previously been desolate and only able to receive, that's all they could do, became people that were givers and were generous. I said to someone the other day, one of the most profound things that happened to me all last year happened with a lady whose name I don't know in Cambodia. Don't know who she was, but this lady who's a part of Transform got a child in the program. I knew that because of the hat she was wearing. And uh, a part of that, and I watched her go over to the ice cream man and buy an ice cream to give to the rich white guy. That was me. Because if you're a white guy up there, you're rich. Trust me, you're rich. And she, I don't know what it cost her, but it wouldn't have been much. And she went over and bought this thing and with a big smile came up and presented it to me. Why? Because God has reversed her life. That that she had none of, she's now got lots of in her mind. Enough so that her whole thinking has shifted from I can only receive, I'm full of need, I've got no ability to help anyone, to now saying, I'm going to buy the rich white guy an ice cream. She's not back there going, well, let's let the white guy buy me the ice cream. She's there saying, the foreigner, no, I'm going to bless him. I believe that God wants to reverse some things in your life. Come on, reverse some things in your life tonight. Reverse some things. You that have sat here and gone, well, you know, I'll never and I probably can't. And, you know, I, I, I've failed at this and I've had so many busted relationships. I'll never. Be. Who knows if God would not reverse your desolation and say, I'm going to actually let you in, uh, change that and begin to fill up somewhere else that's desolate. In other words, your life is so changed that no longer are you got an empty house. You're now populating the places that were desolate before. It says you're going to have so many that you won't be able to house them all. They're going to go out and fill up the other places that are desolate. This is a remarkable story. It says, don't fearful, you'll not be ashamed, neither be disgraceful, you'll not be put to shame. You won't, you'll forget the shame of your youth. You won't remember the reproach of your widowhood. She's been married and never had a child. And then her husband, somewhere on the way, tragically has died. And now she's a widow. There's even less chance of this taking place. But verse 5 gives the key. It says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. What can you do if God walks with us in 2019? Now, I know some people get inoculated against faith and against the good news of the gospel. And they're inoculated against positive preaching. They want to hear preaching of how bad they are and how miserable because it allows them to stay where they are. But I don't believe that it's called the gospel and called good news. That's what gospel literally means is good news. It can't be good news if you stay the same. 
mind. It can't be good news if all your life is about you. It can't be good news if everything in your life is always me, 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 give me this, give me that. It can only be good news if your needs are met and then out of the overflow of that, you go out from there and say, I'm going to make a difference in the world in which I live. That's what I believe. And if that is a, a negative to some, well, so be it. But so far, it's worked across the 30 plus years of this church's existence where we've seen God do remarkable things out of people that just simply said, if the Lord is my husband, if the Lord is my uh, host is his name, if he's my redeemer and the God of the whole earth, then look what he's going to do in our life. And so God declares to this woman, that he's about to turn her whole life around and that abundance and blessing and fruitfulness are coming her way. And yet I went through this passage and wrote down all of the emotions that have characterised her life. There's six of them. First of all, she in verse four, talks about her fear. Verse four talks about her bad memories of the past. Third thing is she's felt forsaken, verse six and seven. She's been grieved according to verse 6. And verse 8 says she's been forgotten. And verse 9 actually says she has come to believe that God is angry with her. And why do I tell you that? Because I want you to understand that God knows what our humanity is like. And that He understands. It says in one part, it says He understands the frailty of our frame. That we are but dust. God is not unmerciful. He's not a demanding God setting the bar so high and saying, if you can't run as fast as the same bolt, don't even come to the starting line. He's saying, get the message I preached a couple of weeks ago on, on, uh, out of Exodus, wherever it was. I will, 33, I will go with you. It means, I was telling my uh, friend of mine who's a, uh, uh, occupational therapist. I was telling him about it. it. You know, I'm not sure where he's at with God, but I was telling him about, I said, God will go with you at the speed that you choose. It's a remarkable thing. So I, uh, I want you to understand that if right now you're in a place, honestly, where you would say before God, God, I've got all these negatives. I've got all these emotions. I, I feel like I'm, I'm not going so well. Please don't think that disqualifies you from the kingdom of God, from the presence of God or from the presence of God's people. Understand this lady has got all of that going on. Fear, bad memories, forsaken, grieved, forgotten. God's angry with her and God gives the counterpart all the way through. I haven't got time to read all these out. But God declares to her, number one, a close relationship with Him in verse 5. That she's valued also in verse 5. That she's called in verse 6. Great mercy is hers in verse 7. And twice He tells her in verse 8 and 10, He says, I've got everlasting kindness towards you. The complete opposite of what she feels is what He's got coming towards her, what He's aimed at her. And so this woman is in this emotional place of all the fear and the forgotten and the forsaken and God's angry. She's in that and God turns up to her and says, I know it's impossible. I know you can't, but get ready. But I'm requiring of you to make a shift. For her to enter a new season, she's got to make some massive shifts in the way she thinks about her life. 
She can't continue to side with the voice of experience that says, well, you failed before. You're bound to fail again. Listen to me. Can I say to you, one of the cornerstone names of Christ is that of Redeemer. And the word Redeemer means that He buys back that which has been sold, that which has been fitted away, that which has been given away. I want you to hear it tonight. I do believe that there is not a broken soul on the planet that Jesus doesn't love and that Jesus won't redeem and that He hasn't got a great future for. I believe every single one of us is that. And my heart sings with the knowledge of that amazing redemption. I thank God He never said you've got to redeem yourself. He said, I am your redeemer. I'm the one. You couldn't pay the price. We used to sing a song a thousand years ago. He paid a debt he did not owe and I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sin away. But now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Um, Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Don't ask me to sing it. It's a long way back. But this woman is challenged. I spoke about invitation and challenge this morning. Again, get the podcast. But uh, this woman is confronted with the need to make a shift in the way she thinks for this to come to pass. I believe that there are four shifts that every believer has got to make at some point in their life. Sadly, some people never make these shifts. They go to church. They love God, but they just never get off the ground. They're like a beautiful plane that's fueled and ready to go, but no pilot really gets behind it and turns the ignition and starts the thing up. It just sits there. It just sits there. It's like a magnificent car that nobody ever drives because it's, it's like the china my mother used to have when I was a kid in the china cabinet. That was for special occasions, that, just that there was never any day special enough for it to come out, you know? And come on, let's not, let's not waste everything that God has given us Let's not settle back and go, well, you know, that's for other people. I want you to get a time. Listen, I may not even know your name. I may not know your background. You might have snuck in here and think you're Mr. Mrs. Ms. Anonymous and that no one knows and so you're safe. But I want to tell you that God knows who you are. And I want to tell you there's a God who has written down your life and your future and numbered your days. And He's got plans, the Bible says, for your life, plans to do good and not for evil. Let me give you the four shifts. Number one, the shift from sin conscious to righteousness conscious. Gracious me, I think that one is so opposite to everything I know as a human. I think it's the hardest shift in some ways to make. Without revelation, I'm not sure you can. From sin conscious to righteousness conscious. What does that mean? Instead of trying to avoid the bad, I now embrace the good. Instead of going, you know, I didn't and I should have and oh God. spending Some people spend all their prayer time telling God how sorry they are. You know, and yet God says, I've taken your sins and I've cast them. This is what he calls it. He says, I've thrown them into the sea of my forgetfulness. Now you can't forget, but God can. He's the only one who can forget so well that he actually doesn't remember that it ever took place. I've been blessed by God with a great forgettery. Ask my wife. I can forget a whole lot of things. I forget conversations. She'll say, you said this or whatever. I go, I don't remember it. I don't even remember it at all. She can remember what you wore and the day you were there. And, you know, next week is the anniversary of this. And I'm going, whatever. 
Uh, you know, I don't remember stuff like that, but I'm really good at forgetting bad things that people have told me. It's a great gift. I love it. Because someone can come up and tell me about something or they can mess up and I can continue to pass to them because I actually don't remember it. I don't keep treating them like, well, you know, yeah, but waiting for them to trip up again. That's not the way God acts for your life. Sin conscious to righteousness. Can you make that shift? Here's the second one. From a negative outlook to a positive one. Now, don't get tripped up on the terms as though I'm doing some kind of new agey positive thinking thing. It's just I'm just giving it to you in the language we use. The Bible says without faith, Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What's faith? Well, it's certainly positive. Amen? Now, I can't see anywhere where Jesus went around going, well, that's hopeless. Well, that'll never happen. Oh, sorry, that problem's too big. My Bible says he healed all that came to him. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And so I love the fact that I can make a shift from negative to positive. Here's the third one. I can shift from need to blessing, need to bless. That's what that lady in Cambodia did with the ice cream. She shifted from, I've got to keep it all to now I can give it all. And that's a wonderful, wonderful place to be in life where you understand that the sum of your life is not in what you keep, but the true measure of your life is in what you give away. The true measure of your life is not how much you've accumulated, but how much has gone through your life. Amen. I know some people that immense amounts come to them and immense amounts go out of them. Amen. That's a great life. Here's the fourth one. From I hope to I will. It's kind of like, wouldn't it be nice to the place of vision? Because vision is not, wouldn't it be good if that's not vision, that's a hope and a dream. Real vision is not only do I see it and not only do I believe it, but I'm going to do something about it. That's vision for your life. I want you to notice something about this lady and a few things that in this story we can discover pretty easily. Let me make reference. I'll get you to read it later sometime because... I'm not sure I've got the time really tonight to go through it all, but there was another woman in the New Testament similar to this lady. Mark 5 says she had an issue of blood. If she had an issue of blood, therefore she couldn't have children because her womb couldn't retain any seed that was implanted in it. And the Bible says she had spent all that she had, everything. She tried every, every kind of remedy, anybody ever. If they said, stand on your head and do this or eat 55 tons of carrots. She tried the whole lot. She was trying everything to get her life good, but nothing's worked for her at all. And the Bible says, but when she heard of Jesus, she came in the crowd behind, for she said in herself, if I may touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And so she presses through the crowd and immediately the Bible says she felt in herself that she was healed of her plague. The fountain of blood had dried up And Jesus, turning about in the crowd, looked around to see her that had done this thing. And he said to the disciples, who touched me? And they said, Master, don't you see all the crowd? And you say, who touched me? But he's looking for the one who never bumped him. He's looking for the one who touched him. And I'm not interested in pastoring a church full of people that bump Jesus. I want to pastor a church filled with people that know how to touch Jesus. Amen. That they don't need a worship leader to wind them up and kind of get them cranked up. They wouldn't care. You could have no sound, all the sound. You could have everything going all over the place. Because 
they've learned how to worship and touch God. They're not here to bump Jesus. And, you know, if we sing the latest song or the old song or what song or, you know, if we have drums or no drums or who cares? You know what I'm saying? They just go, I'm going to to touch Jesus. Amen. I'm going to touch Jesus. I want to touch Jesus in every service I'm in. I want to touch Jesus. I don't want to go to church. I want to get where God is and touch him. And this woman, it says she came and fell at his feet and told him it was me. And Jesus spoke to her and said, daughter, your faith has made you whole, go in peace. And so off she goes. And it's a remarkable story, so similar. I'm going to give you the the three things this woman in Isaiah 54 did and tell you they're exactly the same things that this other woman who was barren also did. Is there something in your life where you say, I've got none of? I'm praying that 2019 will be the year of lots of. That no matter what it is, whether it's something emotional, spiritual, whether it's something to do with your finances, your family, whatever it is that tonight you'd say, I've got none of. Oh, there's so little there. Whatever that is, I'm praying that you tonight will have that reverse, that you'll make the shifts that'll turn it from none of to lots of. This woman, Isaiah 54, number one, she had to make the shift before she saw any evidence. God doesn't say when you have a child, build an annex, add another room. You know, he says, I want you to start doing it now. I know lots of parents who, you know, they want to find out the gender of their child so they can go and get the baby's room ready. And, you know, but they go out and do that, but they already know that they're expecting this woman. She's not only got no children, she's got no husband. And one day God turns up to her house and says, come on, now I want you to begin to sing. And she goes, what about? He goes, I want you to begin to sing the song of joy that women that are expecting begin to sing. And now I want you to go out. Would you go down to Bunnings tomorrow? Can you buy that timber you need? Can you get the equipment that you need to enlarge your house? But what for? I haven't got anything. Oh yeah, he says, you're going to have so many. And I imagine this woman going down to Bunnings and getting the gear and bumping into somebody in Bunnings who knows her. And they say, what are you doing? She says, I'm adding a room on. And if she's got any brains, she's adding 10 rooms on. And he says, she says I'm adding rooms on. Oh, have you got people coming to stay? And she goes, well, kind of. And he goes, or she goes, well, you know, when do they arrive? I don't know. They're not here yet. But God asked this woman to make a shift. He says, I want you to start singing before anything took place. Come on, are you here with me tonight? Can you say, come on, I'm not trying to preach something good. This is not the, well, the start of the new year and let's just kind of be gentle. I'm, 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 amen. I want to shake every spirit of unbelief and, and I can't. And I want to shake that out of you in Jesus' name till your head rattles in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I'm sorry if I'm just a bit of a hot to trot preacher. Uh, I'm not sorry at all, actually. I don't mean that in the slightest. Take me. Just do whatever. But I want you to, I want this, God comes to this woman. And please, please don't think to yourself, yeah, but you don't understand my problems. No, I probably don't. But you don't understand mine either. You don't know the things that I might be wrestling with even now while I stand in front of you. And you wouldn't have a clue. 
Never assume that the people that speak to you are the people that have got it all made because none of them ever have. Amen. None of them ever have. We all just, we all just sweat like you do. Amen. Shift had to take place before she sees any evidence. What is it? I'm going to ask you tonight to write down over the next week or so some shifts that you need to make now before you see any evidence of it. I'm preaching about enlarge. I believe it's the word of the Lord. I just said to Pastor Bruce tonight, I said, Bruce, I'm going to be inviting people almost every Sunday for the rest of this year to join our church because I keep meeting people that don't have a church home. They don't have a place they call home. And, and so I said, we're going to start getting some material ready so they can just simply go up and get a little booklet that says this is what it's about and any questions you've got to hear some stuff. Well, that's us just saying, let's enlarge the place. Let's do something. Not just go, well, when they turn up, praise God. Here's the second thing. The shift had to take place in her before it took place for her. Had to take place in her before it took place for her. The woman in Mark 5 verse 28 says, For she said in herself, for she said in herself, before she got to the crowd where Jesus was, Long before that, she's at home going about her house. She's exhausted everything in the bank trying to get help. Nothing has worked. And now she hears about Jesus and she finds herself saying this, if I could just touch his clothes, I could be made well. And she starts saying something. And you know, the truth is the more you say something, the more solid it gets inside of you. Scripture says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. Hearing who? Well, hearing whatever, actually. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I just read a book a couple of weeks ago where they did a study of all these copycat kind of things that they say undoubtedly occur across our Western civilizations, whether it be, you know, some kind of attacks or stuff that when they have one of them, the, the number of copycats rise. Why? Because people are watching it and hearing it and then they begin saying it. It's got to take place in you before it takes place for you. Here's the third one. Before any new season becomes evident to others, God requires us to do something differently. Do something. He said to her to sing. She goes, what about the neighbours will think I'm cracked? He says, sing. He says, build an annex, build an addition. Why? He says, I want you to sing. This woman went and pressed in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. For she said, do you know, and I haven't got time to give you all the detail of this, but according to Leviticus, because she had an issue of blood, she was actually not allowed to come in contact with another person. That was the law she grew up under. And so what she finds her saying, self-saying is actually so countercultural. Come on, please. Can we be the kind of people that are listening so much to God that will obey God rather than the prevailing culture of our day? In a world that's saturated with selfies and it's about me, can we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, it's not just about you, it's about others. About others. And so... 
she presses through the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus' garment. She does something that's quite different. It's interesting because Mark 6, verse 56, the very next chapter, the last verse of it says this, and as many as touched him were made whole. Can I say to you tonight, your battles are never, ever just about you. They're never just about you. They're never just about you. Your battles, come on, your battles are always, if you understand that, you'll go through your battles differently because instead of going, well, it's not fair and how long and I hate, you'll go through it saying, God's somewhere on the other side of this. Somebody needs the fruit of my victory in Jesus' name. One woman, no one had ever done it before. They'd all waited. Jesus had spoken over them. He'd laid hands on them. That's the only way people had ever been healed. One lady changes the whole dynamic. And so all Jesus does is sit in a chair and everyone comes up and touches his garment. Mark 6.56. And everybody, so, somebody changed the landscape of everyone's thinking. Come on, somebody changed the landscape of somebody's thinking. Somebody changed the landscape of someone's thinking. Can you be bold enough to allow God to use you to change the landscape of the way people think? Come on, you're in a neighbourhood. Well, you know, yeah, but we don't talk to each other. We don't say hello. Well, why don't you change the landscape of your neighbourhood? Huh? Go around and take them a cake. Oh, that'd be stupid. They don't know who I am. Well, they will after you give them a cake. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered generosity opens doors that nothing else will open. Amen? Powerful thing, generosity. Can I help you? Do you need something? Amen. This lady did something that was so counterproductive, or counter, not counterproductive, counterintuitive to the way everybody else had done it. Let me ask you just quickly as I close, what shift do you need to make for enlarge to happen for you in 2019? You've had on your seat tonight one of these cards that thank you, Leo and the team, for getting all this ready I rang them from Queensland last week and said, this is what I want, can you do this? And I said, I want it to look like this because I wanted us to be able to sit it on our desk or in our car or the kitchen bench. And, and you'll see on the front of it, it says enlarge and the picture of the tent there and Metro Church 2019. And then on the back, it says four shifts I'm making in 2019. Now you might be able to straightway go, yep, I'm going to write them down, I know. Well, good, that's great. I couldn't. I've taken about a week thinking about it. I was in a conversation with a friend of mine just the day before yesterday, and he said something so profound to me. I thought, oh, I think that's one of my four. So I'm going to tell you some of mine. I'm not going to tell you them all because I've got to keep something secret. So uh, what I encourage you to do is take one of these home. You can take a couple. We've got quite a few. If you're listening to this on the podcast, and you'd like one, email us, info at metrochurch.org.au. Just ask for the four shifts. We'll post it to you if you tell us your address, wherever you are. We'll send it to you around the world. We'd be happy to do that. But I'd love you to take one of these away and go, God, because I don't know about the rest of you here. Thank you, team. Come on up. Um, I've found myself going, feeling an incredible sense of the Holy Spirit wants to. But I noticed that God came to this woman and he says, I'm going to fill your house. But I want you, first of all, to enlarge. I want you to cooperate. I want you to be a part of it. 
So I'd love you to go away. I don't mind if you write down six and scrub out six and write a different four. Because this is not about, there's no test. We're not asking you to hand it in. No one's going to come and check at your workplace and go, have you got it? You know, um, it's, this is for you and God to work this out. And I wrote down things, I'll give you some of the ones for me anyway. I wrote down, remove the unimportant. Because I think that's a shift I need to make for this season. I like being busy. One of my favourite things to be. But if I'm not careful, I can be busy doing a whole lot of things that are actually not that important, really, when I look back. So I'm going to endeavour to... That's one of mine. I'll tell you, one of the other ones, I'll, I'll leave the other two a secret. Rhonda can ask me. I wrote down, embrace this season. We've had some pretty big shifts in our life in the last year or so. And I can tell you about some of them and go, some of them I really don't like. They're not my choice. They're not what I want. They're not the way I wish it was. They're not things I thought would happen. But you know what? They did. And I've got a choice right there. I can either continually regret, continually wish. But I wrote down, you know the shift I'm making in 2019? I'm going to embrace this season. And the thought of it, the thought of it warms my soul. It really does. I can't explain to you, but because it's not just a clever little cliche, but it's a truth that the Holy Spirit is saying to me, Jeff, embrace this season. It's not all bad. There's always going to be change. Embrace it. And I've found myself going, oh, that's a lot easier to let go of than I thought. I'd love you to do that. Write down your four or three. There's no magic about four. It's just... I said, get four. I'd love you to think it through and write those down and let it be something prayerful for you and for God. God, what do you want me to do? I, wanna, I don't want a 2019 that's 2018 plus a little bit better. I want a 2019 that's about enlarge, that's about stretch. I want a 2019 that's about strengthened in Jesus. 